Polyamory Uncensored is excited to announce a brand new product. We have designed a planner and journal specifically geared for polyamorous individuals. If you're a fan of the podcast, you know that I love recommending journaling to our guests and audience members. After about the 50th time or so I caught myself suggesting it, I thought to myself, there should be a journal specifically designed for us polyamorous folks. One that includes a planner, because of course we be planning, and one that prompts us to go deep into our poly lives. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the just plain complicated truths. <laughs> and I wanted to put together a space where you could go if you needed to vent out all of those really hard poly drama feelings. So I designed the Polyamory Uncensored Planner and Journal. This little book includes a full year planner for the year 2021, as well as self-discovery pages, guided journal with polyamory themed prompts and resource guide pages so that you can keep track of the books and podcasts and websites that you find helpful in your poly journey. Get yours today for yourself or the thoughtful polyamorist in your life at tinyurl.com slash poly 2021. That's tinyurl.com slash poly 2021. In doing so, you support me and this podcast. Thank you so much. I love you. Bye. Hi there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five points of journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. Welcome to episode 50. This is a very special episode where we are going to talk to a stampede of unicorns about (laughs) the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our unicorn lives. Okay, awesome. So I'm going to ask each one of you to give a brief introduction of yourself. If you'd like to start, Cassidy. Uh, My name is Cassidy. I live in Milwaukee. I'm a cis male. He, his pronouns. Uh, I haven't actually been uh, in a unicorn situation or been in a polyamorous relationship with more than one person at a time. So my perspective is going to be from a person who in his current life situation is interested in this, what I'm looking for and what's going through my mind. And uh, Emily, would you like to give your intro? Hi, my name is Emily and I'm from Milwaukee as well. Um, I go by she, her, and my experience with Unicorn is very new. I've only been exploring the poly lifestyle for maybe a little bit under a year or about a year. So I'm pretty new to um, all of the terminology and all of that. Um, My beginning of being unicorn hunted um, started in more of the kink community. So I was introduced more to it through kink rather than uh, the polyamory community. And so my experiences kind of started there, which maybe isn't always the best place to start, which I maybe we'll tell about later. (laughs) So yeah, that's my story. And Brandon, would you like to give your intro, even though you have been on an episode once before? (laughs) That's been a long time ago though now. I didn't realize how long ago it had been. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, my name is Brandon. I guess I 
didn't ever realize putting myself in, or I'd be in a situation where I was sort of like almost a veteran of many years of poly compared to the other people on a talk. But um, uh, I've, I've been poly for about, uh, about five years-ish. I use he, him pronouns, and I tend to use solo poly and sometimes like relationship anarchists or egalitarian poly um, to describe uh, kind of how I do uh, my relationship stuff. And along with that, I also kind of move in, you know, in some swinger circles. So there's a little bit of that going on as well. Um, so I'm kind of all over the place. Cool. So that is our stampede of unicorns. <laughs> I guess we should start because I would like this episode to be a good resource to share with folks. If like, say you come across a unicorn hunter and they're confused about what they're doing, or you are trying to learn more about dating unicorns or, you know, I just want it to be a good resource. So I kind of want it to be well-rounded and a lot of different subjects, but we should probably start. What is a unicorn? Who has a good definition? My definition, uh, it would be a person who is uh, bisexual or pansexual, likely, uh, who is interested in being more involved and intimate with a couple, but not wanting to be in a full-out triad with the couple. Now, I think a lot of people uh, have a bad idea about unicorn hunting in that uh, they don't realize what they're doing in that third person is thinking they're getting into a triad when they're really not. So whether you're unicorn hunting, I think is, has something to do with the couple, but also has a lot to do with the mindset and the expectations of the person who is entering into that relationship. I think that makes a lot of sense, actually. That when you think about having sort of clear expectations from everyone about what you want from one another and what you expect the relationship to be like, after you all have sex is an important part of the conversation. Um, and obviously, you know, people catch feelings and it's, you can't always predict exactly how things are going to turn out. But as long as you're having good communication about those kinds of things from the beginning, there's less opportunity for people to engage in misleading behavior or, you know, really unintentionally hurt somebody. Yeah. Um, I, ha I mean, I, when I was taking down some notes, just like kind of thinking about things, I think one of the first things I've got there and I've got it like underlined three times is communication is key with so many, you know, as with so many things. I think that, that um, that's actually a pretty good description, uh, similar to what I've uh, thought of as far as um, unicorns. And I think that there is sort of a different concept of, of the unicorn, depending on what community you're speaking to. Um, overall, I mean, like, there is sort of like this concept of like the poly unicorn to a certain degree where it's actually as if like, they really do want to have this sort of triad, but the person that they're the type of person that they're looking for is very specific. And again, communication being key, it's like, well, you know, you can't really reduce people down to a, you know, a type or a a, you know, a specific thing that's going to be a, a specific person who's going to be what both partners might want and things like that. So I, I feel like it can be that. I mean, it, unicorns can also be within, you know, the swinger community can easily be just sort of like looking for a very specific sex partner. Um, and I mean, I'm, I don't know exactly that'll be for um, Emily to talk about as far as what that looks like in the 
you know, in the kink scene or something like that. But I, I feel like there, it does vary a little bit depending on what um, community you're speaking to. And actually the, I don't know, I feel like there's a different, there's maybe even slightly different value judgments placed on unicorns and unicorn hunters, depending on the community that you're speaking to. Yeah, I absolutely agree, Brandon. And also going back to Cassidy's definition, um, I really like how you said that it really is more about, well, I kind of, first of all, I kind of understand, like Brandon, you said that you're more solo poly. And I think as I go on this journey of poly or ethically non-monogamous, I think I really um, also identify more as solo poly uh, just because I have a busy life and I just don't know if I have the energy and time to have like more than one really deep connection with two people. But I think what were, what did you say Cassidy about your definition? Yeah. So I'll give you a real, a real quick reminder. It's, it yeah. was, it was simply that the unicorn wants to be in a relationship of some depth that is intimate more than just, Hey, let's come over and have sex in the poly world. I feel it's more intimate. Like let's all get together have popcorn and watch the movie together. Right. Okay. Um, but you know what? I'm not going to come over all that often because I'm too damn busy. But you know, the unicorn in this situation, in my definition, also understands and that this is a more temporary situation. Like this might last months, maybe the last couple of years, but I'm not going to be making babies with this person or these people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So I, I agree with Cassidy in that it is kind of more of a, not necessarily temporary, but definitely not on the same level as if it were a triad or if you're going into this um, to have it be long-term and more you know, of, a, of a group or family situation. Well, I do feel like the, the problematic part about unicorn hunting often falls in the miscommunication of, of needs and desires and what you want, because I think if if unicorn hunting was just, we want a sexual relationship with a third person and um, that's all we're going after. We're not trying to form a triad That's uh, and, and that's not something we're interested in. It wouldn't be as demonized because oftentimes it's people saying, we want to form a triad. We want an equal partnership. We want someone to come and live with us and you know be our wife and everything is equal and fair but what they actually want is a sexual play thing, you know? And so there's like a, 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 a total disconnect in, in what people say and what they actually want. And that's not across the board, obviously, but I feel like that's what um, people assume unicorn hunters are doing is they're asking for one thing, but what they really want is this complete list of random attributes that they have agreed on with their rules and their, um, you know, limitations that this one person has to fall into everything or it's all or nothing, right? Yeah, I, actually, it's funny. It's it's kind of one of those weird things where it's a trope almost that like people entering into polyamory for the first time often begin with something like, you know, finding this sort of mystical unicorn or whatever. And, and it's because with experience, with experience to a certain degree, I found that like, it's actually one of the hardest things to pull off. It's like, I call it an absolute poly varsity move. Like it is, it is. It's not, a poly. It's poly five hundred course, not one hundred and one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I feel that they do it because they think that they're doing it together, and they, it, therefore it feels safe. 
and that's why they're hunters as a, as a, as a pack, if you will, you know, the, 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 the two in the, in the established couple. But um, it's just funny that that, I mean, cause again, one, one of the, one of my early experiences back when I was married was um, uh, we weren't actively unicorn hunting, but we, we, um, my ex-wife and I ended up uh, dating a woman at the same time and uh it did not go well in long i mean it, it went well for some of us but not, not in, i mean in the long run i mean you know i'm not married anymore right and i wouldn't say that that has anything to do with the actual cause of that i just want to throw that out there for anyone who might be listening but it was it was very much a um you know that was that was something that was way too challenging for people who were new i think that in coming from the perspective of the kink community my experience is that you know, that is like a huge problem is that it really is, they're looking for that super unicorn of all the attributes they want because it is really just about sex, usually, at least in my experience. And there is always this, well, we also want to like be able to both have fun and like get along with you and we can all be friends. But at the end of the day, a lot of a lot of their kink might just be, like you said, Lindsay, more of like almost objectification of the person. But also in kink, somebody that's a unicorn might also have that kink, like to be objectified. So it can work, but I think a lot of times it's starting as purely we're looking for a sexual connection first, whereas when it's more of the poly side of things, it's no, we're looking for an emotional connection first. And then the sex part of it um, will kind of come more naturally. I think that it also often tends in these early explorations to be associated with lots of rules about how the relationship is going to be. And you can do X, Y, and Z, but you can only do them if we're both there. And you can do you know A, but not B. And I think that's where no matter how good your communication skills might be, people are gonna rebel against the rules or they're going to try to negotiate something. The third, you know, the third party may have their own feelings about what they would like that the couple didn't pre-negotiate and the couple hasn't authorized any additional negotiation amongst one another. And suddenly you're in a, a really uncomfortable or unhappy or hurt feelings space. And I mean, I found from being unicorn hunted and, and have been a unicorn of some uh, couples that sometimes those expectations are uh, explicit and, and and communicated in the beginning and sometimes they're not. And sometimes you hear half of the story and, and not depending on like who you're talking to, right? Uh, but one thing that I had to learn from experience and mistakes is that if people are telling you their expectations listen to them <laughs> you know like if people are telling you this is only going to be about sex and this is not going to be a relationship and we're not allowed to fall in love with people even though that's not really something that you can say or make a rule about because you it's not something you can often control if that's not what you're in for and if that's not what you want then maybe that don't enter into that relationship right like i was uh, I had been given these expectations and rules and thought, well, that'll change. This is fine. I want to be in a loving relationship with a couple. Uh, so 
so yeah, that'll just, once they have feelings for me, it'll all change and it'll be fine. And, you know, that's, and I should have just listened to them and like, oh, if they only want sex, then I shouldn't enter in a relationship where I'm hoping and expecting something different. So, you know, it kind of goes both ways. But oftentimes, those expectations aren't laid out on the table date one. They're either implied or they're assumed or, or people are trying to like, just especially new to poly people are just like, we're figuring it out as we go and they don't know what they want. Yeah. Along with that too. I mean, those early stages of, you know, NRE in a relationship, whether it's a, a largely a sexual one or a, you know, uh, or, or some other form of relationship, those, those kind of often like lead people not wanting to have some, maybe some difficult talks early on. Uh, and I think that in order to really make all of that ethical, you do absolutely need to, to have those talks um, fairly early on, even if it's going to like make, some interactions difficult, or maybe you, it takes some of the fun out of that, the, the time you're spending together. I've, I've, I feel that I've probably been on both sides of that to a certain degree uh, in my time. So over time, it's just communication is just always so much better, so much better. And also being flexible. I mean, if you're like the unicorn hunter and in, in couple in question, you can't put rules on other people, right? Like, so being flexible to be like, hey, this might be a rule or a boundary or a guideline that we would like in the future, but knowing that you can't control anyone. So if they're not interested in that rule, sorry, but that's not, that's not okay to try to force someone into your little box. Well, and I think if someone does communicate to you that they have those rules, that's really also where it's on the person who is the potential unicorn, like, mm, listen, cause even if, you know, regardless of its ethicalness or its practicality, they meant it at the time they were saying it. And if you don't like it, they still might mean it. And, you know, like you said earlier, believe them because yeah. otherwise you may wind up getting more emotionally invested and getting your feelings hurt or your needs not met where if you'd had, if you'd listened, maybe you could have had less hurt. And again, it's really hard to try to say, well, I'm not going to fall in love. I, uh, this is against the rules and therefore it won't happen. That, that's, uh, that's really, it's hard for you to, it's definitely hard for you to put that rule on someone else, but it's also hard to put it on yourself. You know, like if you fall in love with somebody, you can't really control it. You can control what you do about those feelings, maybe, <laughs> but you can't control having them. But you can control discussing them and making sure that you're communicating that right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, something that I often will say um, in relationships, and it doesn't have to be like a unicorn couple thing, but is often um, that I'm pretty happy to let people sort of have whatever feelings they're going to have about me, people who are in a relationship, as long as they're also okay with me having the feelings that I have and, and that they don't necessarily have to be the same. There doesn't have to be an exact parody there. And I think that's one of the reasons why I feel comfortable doing or kind of being in a unicorn role sometimes is that as long as there's sort of like a baseline of, of friendship and respect and things that I, that I, I've thrown into relationships. I, if I, if I catch some feels about for someone and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's not going to be reciprocated. The important thing is, is still there. The important thing, the, that connection that I have with them as, as, a, as a friend and maybe a sexy friend or, and, and the respect is still there. So that's one way that 
yes, you can't control exactly who you're going to fall for or who you're going to have these strong feelings for, but, um, but just kind of having an understanding that other people don't need to feel the same about you. It kind of helps in my experience. At least it works with my brain. And then it's okay to talk about or not. Yeah. So I have a question for you, Brandon, as a more experienced unicorn, because we keep talking about falling in love or, you know, that kind of thing. But have you ever been in a situation where it's kind of the opposite, where you get into it and all of a sudden there's some things about one of the people that you're just not attracted to, you're not vibing with, and, and you really, you know, have come to be a part of this couple's life, but now it's really uneven between the two of them. You know, I, I feel like I wouldn't say to any point where there's like a breaking point, but definitely I, one thing to keep in mind is that I, I feel that uh, another key thing for, I think, making it work is the understanding on all by all parties that <clears throat> in the end, y- you might develop a different type of relationship with either of them. And, and that should be okay. Like if it's, if it's not okay with them, if they have that, if that's some sort of bizarre like rule that, that, that's really unattainable to be fair. It's just not attainable long-term. But you know, if, if, um, if, I mean, you're going to have more in common with one than the other, you're going to have more things to talk about. You're going to have, you know, greater sexual attraction, depending on how you just, just how, how sexual attraction works for you. And generally speaking, what I have found is that I would say being an attentive friend and listening and reassuring people that like, the important thing that you're you're in their life, or that you or that you that you enjoy spending time with both of them, possibly differently, um, can help. I mean, there's definitely been cases where, well, you know, I can even speak to we. Back in the day, uh, there was this person that um, my ex and I were dating, my ex-wife and I were dating. That absolutely things took off more between them and my uh, my ex. It, like the sex stuff was all really great. I mean really great but in the end i mean because early on they they even just, they describe and they actually kind of had this this idea that um you know they kind of turned the tables on that narrative it was sort of like they were the unicorn and they were they liked to tell people that we were like their married couple kind of thing like mm-hmm. they really had a thing for a married couple but but after a while the chemistry was just more there between them and my ex-wife um and i felt like we were still able to maintain connection and still in fact every once in a while i'll still reach out we still talk and this has been five years later or something along those lines but the sort of like couple and unicorn dynamic didn't really last for long in its original form because of that but i think as long as people talk about it people understand that there's that there is a respect back and forth um you can make that turn into something else um and generally speaking you know, really good friends is just as good for me as whatever that original unicorn relationship might have started off as. I think it's really also important to know, like, you don't know where a relationship is going to go early on in it. And um, I have a partner who the first time that we ever connected um, was in a play party context. And uh, I think that going into that people who knew um, him and his nesting partner and I would have probably guessed that uh, that she and I would end up in a more romantic relationship. Like we had a very flirtatious friendship beforehand. Um, 
you know, we had a lot of really fun energy like that. And that just didn't end up being how the dynamic continued to play out. And we're fantastic metamors. We're super close friends. Um, but that our relationship didn't end up developing into a romantic relationship. And when I, you know, told people in the first few months of um, being involved with him, they were like, wait, him? <laughs> like, not her? And, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, I, I didn't think that was how it was going to go either, but it's just how it went. And you, you can't predict always how the dynamics are going to develop after that initial connection. Yeah, I've definitely had the situation going into dating a couple where all three of us wanted that, you know, perfect uh, triad where everyone feels the same about everyone and, and it's all equal, right? Uh, and I, and I, wanna, I, I made this a point to talk about like the difference between fairness and equal and how oftentimes uh, uh, like a unicorn, a, a person coming into a, a third person coming into a couple, it's incredibly difficult to attain equality because, you know, I was going into a, a relationship that had existed for 18 years before me. That's going to be incredibly difficult. The connection will never be the same. And, and what ended up happening is that for one person, I felt this NRE fueled, incredible, like loving sexual connection. And for another person, I felt this really nice, pleasant friendship, but because going into it, the couple wanted everyone to feel exactly the same about everyone. And it, it, it ended up kind of everything ended up dissolving. Uh, and I would have been happy to have a relationship that was perfectly platonic, platonic and lovely friendship and a romantic partnership with the other person as a separate relationship. But I guess, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't the um, agreed upon rule from the beginning. And if you don't have flexibility in letting things become what they will be instead of what you want them to be, the relationship, you know, will often dissolve, unfortunately. When it dissolves, does that mean your horn just like slowly <laughs> falls off? <laughs> and then you regrow it. <laughs> you have to regrow it every time or you're not valid. Yeah. <laughs> I like the metaphor where you leap the fence and you run off as a free <laughs> unicorn again. <laughs> you know, it's, actually, I, I do want to comment one thing about that too. I, I don't know if it's just me, but I've been, I've been really like to a certain degree struggling with a bit of like imposter syndrome feeling because of all of this sort of like, because of the pandemic and the isolation involved in all of this. Um, you know, I've not gotten to do anything like this for a long time. And I think a lot of people are in similar boats. Um, and I, I don't know. It's when so when we talked about doing this, I was like, oh gosh, do I still feel like I'm that? Yeah, I guess I do. It's just just been so long since since uh, things have been normal. Right, we're all theoretical unicorns right now. Yeah. Well, and speaking of, I, I kind of you know as a, a little bit of a lighter subject, I I did want to bring up the fact that we're using unicorn as a genderless term. Uh, but but some people don't in like poly group communities and Facebook groups and stuff. They'll be like, oh, I'm not a unicorn because unicorn is only a bisexual woman, which is, I think, ridiculous. But also they're like, I'm a dragon. I'm a centaur. I'm a, you know, a pegasus or something like that. Uh, and I, 
at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. But um, choose your own mythological creature. Yeah. Is it new, is it important to be genderless? I guess. As a new to poly person, I am totally fine with there being no more definitions. <laughs> Just don't add any more, please, because I'm still working on learning all of the existing ones. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I, I agree. Having more terms than just unicorn, I think is just confusing. I think you just need to say unicorn and then follow it up with your gender, your preferences to explain what type of unicorn you are. Well, and, and to identify as a unicorn has also been kind of a uh, contentious topic because for some people, it's almost like a triggering derogatory term to be called a unicorn, to be hunted as a unicorn. And then for others, it's being reclaimed. And like most words that are derogatory that are reclaimed, there's going to be a lot of tension there from the people who have been hurt and victimized from this word. And then for the people who it's, le it's legitimately their kink to be objectified, you know, like to be used as a, as a, you know, third play toy to a couple. Um, and so in which case, even using it in the kind of like derogatory fashion, it's correct. So I don't know, is there, is there, um, I guess I wanted to speak to that a bit, like for people who are uncomfortable with reclaiming the word and, and for people who aren't. I just wanted uh, to say that, you know, the way you just explained it, is pretty black and white, I think, because there is a spectrum between a triad idea and an objectification idea. And so I'm a person that I, I find it lovely to be looked at as a unicorn because I think of it as now not only is one person, you know, desire me and, but it's two people that both have a desire to be with me, maybe sexually and as more of a, of a loving relationship. And so to me, the term unicorn is, you know, kind of a, a flattering term. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I mean, I, I do sometimes use it a little tongue in cheek too, but, um, but I, I absolutely, I mean, that there's something to be said for, I mean, because how, how else, I mean, I, I guess, how else do you, if you're, if you're within, if you're talking with folks in this community or in, in these circles, I don't know another good way to describe in one term exactly what you just described. I mean, like, there's this idea of, of being uh, interested in and wanted by um, this couple perhaps both of both of whom are attractive to you uh both of whom are sexy both of them both of whom are people that you want to be friends with um and they think you're great too um and uh you know they invite you maybe to come visit and travel with them or do other do some things like that. i mean like i feel like there is something there's something just really attractive about that and if you, if I don't have a term like unicorn to use, you know, how do I, I guess with it, like, how do I explain like, oh, um, some people are flying me out to Washington state and we're going to spend the weekend together, you know, the three of us um, or, or, or whatever it might be. Like, I guess I, I feel like it's a convenient term. It is one that doesn't need to imply the lack of ethics or the hurt that it sometimes does. 
Uh, but I do also respect that there are some people who have been hurt by that enough that they're just going to shy away from that term uh, or, or shy away from any scenario in which they might be seen as a unicorn or avoid unicorn hunters because of that. You know, to go off what Brandon was saying, I suppose there is the voluntary unicorn and the involuntary unicorn. And maybe what needs to happen is that there needs to be a different term for the involuntary unicorn when someone wasn't expecting to be in that position. You know, what's the difference between a, uh, a solo poly free agent and a person who doesn't want to be solo poly, but is kept in that role because they thought they were getting into a triad? Well, and actually, I was going to say that because often unicorn is is synonymous with the hot by babe or um, the, and it is used in a bit of a like a kind of tongue in cheek or maybe derogatory or maybe, you know, whatever kind of way. When I distinguish between unicorn and the ethical dynamic, um, I, I usually say consensual unicorn because mm -hmm. the other way isn't often consensual. The like being subjected, objectified, and put into a little box that this couple wants them to be isn't often consensual because so often there aren't those really good ethical conversations before a relationship that are describing in detail what someone wants because that's not something that is modeled anywhere. We don't often see that. We're not told that we should do that. I mean, except if you come to poly groups <laughs> in which we hammer it into you every moment we can be like, talk about what you want. But, uh, but so often we don't get that and, and so often people don't do it. Uh, so, so I like to say consensual unicorn in the positive light as opposed to just regular unicorn. I like yeah. that term. That's, I can handle one more term. <laughs> it's just an adjective. Yes, it's great. Consent is, key. Consent is key to all poly discussion anyway. Absolutely. So I guess something that I also wanted to talk about in, in these dynamics is couples privilege and how that ends up being, playing such a big role in unicorn hunter dynamics. And something that we kind of talked about a little bit before, where I was saying, you know, going into a relationship where the people have been together almost 20 years is never going to be equal. And a lot of people, you know, bristle at, at the term privilege at all. And I think that right now is, is a, as good a time as any to really talk about that and, and, and unpack it. But I don't know how many times I've come into poly discussion groups and, and Facebook, you know, forums and saying, talking about couples privilege and some guy comes out and says, that's not a word. That's not a thing. What are you talking about? Of course, <laughs> of course, you're going to disregard that couples privilege exists because it makes you uncomfortable. But yeah, I'd like to discuss, you know, what is couples privilege and, and how does it play out in these dynamics? So to harken back to something that Emily had previously said, she said that she likes this idea in the fact that her schedule is too busy to actually get into a real deep relationship, particularly with two more than one people. I'm in the same boat. And I think that to me right now, why this seems like such an interesting prospect is because I don't want to, and I physically can't get into deep relationships with multiple people, but we all like variety still. So when it comes down to couples privilege, I'm happy with it right now in my life and who I am. I want you to be, you know, have your privilege. You can decide how you want this to play out. And if I fit what you're looking for, and we all know this up front, go ahead and take your privilege, but only because I'm consensually being your unicorn. I've talked about that in the past as well as like, I really like dating married people because 
they're already house trained. They know what they're doing. They're, they, like, they, they're already, they're not sleeping on a mattress on the floor, generally, usually. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry, Brandon, I, I know you have a mattress on the floor. I'm not, I'm not singling you out. <laughs> you were married when I met you. Um, but, <laughs> Just but, since then, I suppose. <laughs> but, but no, I like to say, I, I agree that like some of the, the privileges that couples have make them, you know, better people sometimes. So it's not always a bad thing. Yeah. So I've kind of been on both sides of that. Um, early on, you know, when I was, when I was married and, and we started into polyamory, I definitely did not think much, think as much as I should have about the privilege that we had in those situations. And I think that it led to some really, I don't know, some occasionally some difficult, some difficult times early on in dating. I absolutely understand that it's a real thing. I, uh, but, but, but similar to what Cassie said, I, I feel that when I am, when I'm pursuing this type of relationship with, uh, with a couple, with some, with friends who are a couple, um, their relationship really is super important to me. And, and honestly, I don't expect that the role that I've, that I play in their life after even three years of, of occasional get-togethers or, you know, cross-country trips together, things like that, is going to, um, is going to necessarily win out in some cases or, or, or even be comparable to the type of relationship that they may have after 18 years. They have a house together, kids, and all, and all these things. What I, I guess, on, on the other hand, I'm also not saddled with a lot of the same baggage that they might have in their relationship after all those years. So I feel that it kind of, it kind of evens out sometimes. And, and honestly, they, while I am happy to be there for people and be there and, and help them through things um, as, as them having their own partners, they are, they are oftentimes going to reach out to each other first. I might be sort of like a secondary line of like assistance or help or things like that in it within this. And I guess I, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like there is something to be said for that. The, the, Privilege itself, though, can be kind of shitty when it leads them to unilaterally make rules that no one discussed it in advance. That you know, that in some cases, and I've I've been lucky to not necessarily really run into this, uh, but I've seen it happen with other people where people are um, they really are sidelined in ways that are horribly unfair to them, given all that they've been promised and talked. Uh, all, all of the the assurances that have been made to them. And that privilege is there because society looks at, well, they're, they're the married couple. They're the ones who are together. They're the ones, you know, and that's something that we're all sort of socialized with from the, you know, from when we're, ch we're children. And I, I feel that it's just so baked in that that's why people don't see that that privilege is there. It's just considered normal. Yeah, I 100% agree with Brandon, first of all, that I am invested in their relationship. I enjoy that they're in love and they now want to bring me into it, but I can see how happy it also makes them. And as far as privilege goes, I also agree with you that the problem lies sometimes with those decisions that are made without the third person involved, or what I've run into is maybe there's something none of us thought of until it happens. And then all of a sudden you're in this situation where, okay, whoa, we need to step back and have a conversation about this. And it can be 
it could be a part that kind of is a deal breaker or it could strengthen it because you got through it together. Well, and I think that's something where you often really do see the privilege dynamic because they're going home together and still talking about it or they're getting up the next morning and still talking about it or you know like there's just so much more opportunity for that communication and it's difficult to figure out i think how to equalize that kind of communication in a meaningful way i mean it maybe can't be done um and maybe that's really what the sort of baked in privilege is is that there are things that can't really be equalized but they still have an impact on the third party that isn't always a positive impact. And I think often the difference between having an equal relationship and having a fair one is that not everyone is asking for everything being equal. Like if I was dating another person, I don't necessarily want a mortgage or a kid with them like I do my husband, you know, uh, and I don't necessarily even want a label like husband. Um, it's not necessarily uh, off the table, but legally it is, right? <laughs> so so if we're, if we're only going by legal things that we can do, I can't even have that equality with another partner, but I can treat them fairly. You know, I can show the same amount of respect to them and not just say, well, my husband is my husband and he has this label and therefore he will always get more respect than you. I, he will always come first. He will always have this privilege over you. You know, as a respectful adult, I can say, no, no, this person is treated fairly. This person is going to have the same amount of respect. They might not get the exact same privileges as um, my husband when it comes to legal responsibilities, but they can still be treated fairly. I also think going into a relation or you know into someone else's relationship whether it be a marriage or not it's important to understand what their definition of marriage is because even that can be different you know person to person did they did they go you know get married because you know they love each other but also it's like financially beneficial or maybe it's religious or and i think like understanding kind of that their definition can set the stage for communication going forward. So a question to pose to the group is um, oftentimes, especially I would say on like online community forums and things, unicorn hunters are seen as creepy and predatory. And how can they prevent that? What are some ways that people who are seen as unicorn hunters or are seeking a triad can prevent being that creepy predatory thing that so many people find problematic in poly communities. I mean, don't be creepy and predatory, but <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I think because I've, because I've described uh, what I, you know, that I, that type of thing is what I, what I see being a, a varsity move or, or whatever. Honestly, people who, who have had other types of relationships, uh, people who are involved in other types of relationships, people who are known to not be weird and, toxic in their in their couples privilege those are people that 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 probably tend will, will tend to be better people to try to enter in that sort of relationship with um, because they 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 they've displayed that they can do other relationships that, that don't require some sort of you know codependence from their partner and i because I, I i feel like when people approach a relationship with some sort of unified front or they you know they do have those talks about the relationship 
outside of earshot of the other person in the relationship and then all of a sudden show up for a conversation with some sort of like, you know, like I said, a unified front or some sort of like party line or something like that. That's the kind of stuff that people that that just right, right, right off the bat will weird people out. They're like, wait, you, you had all these talks without me and you're, you're now coming to me and saying that all these things that you, that you had wanted were not, you know, the, the things are going to change now. And then people start to fill in the blanks like, oh, I guess they were creepy in this way too. And I guess they did this too. I think a lot of that just becomes like hindsight. In my own personal experience, the biggest red flag right off the bat is if only one of the people is is um, communicating to me. And they're saying, this is what my partner also believes. Like that is absolutely to me a red flag. For me personally, I would rather have right off the bat, both people involved even with texting or like, you know, here's our group text and we're all here equally discussing these things. Um, Because any situation I've been in where it's been one kind of one person as a communicator has ended up being a bad situation. I think also oftentimes the like posts looking for a unicorn will come off as a help wanted like grocery list of items that they're like should have this should be this should be this uh, should love us equally right should have all of these necessities that this one person is deciding on. And and so often it's, and I mean, literally why these people are called unicorns is because they don't exist. Like <laughs> so often the thing you want, the exact mythical creature you are looking for doesn't exist. And, uh, and, and those posts to me are very creepy and are very mm-hmm. gross. And it's just like, hey, you know, and, and, and oftentimes it sounds like we want a maid, you know, uh, we want a chef we want a mother to our child and you know like all these things that are and for free we want it for free Mm -hmm. and a sex slave what thought process went and discussion went into you producing that list (laughs) right (laughs) and also to assume that i'm that person that you just you know listed off right yeah well and that also kind of brings up the difference between dating separately and dating as a couple because oftentimes the unicorn hunting the dynamic is dating as a couple. And so it's, it's, it's one relationship, right? It's X, X, Y dating Z. But what often happens, even if you're trying to date as a couple is that X and Y have a relationship, Z and Y have a relationship, X and Z have a relationship and they're all separate. And then there's one relationship all together. And so that ends up being like six or seven different relationships in this one dynamic. And it's so much more complicated than just, we, I am dating a couple, a couple is dating me, you know, like it's, it's so much more complex. So when you talk about dating separately versus together, you're talking about just like, you might be, are you saying you, could you kind of describe that a bit more? Like you're saying like, um, you're dating one person of the other couple or you're dating each other, but separately and never together. Well, I guess personal experience, I have been in a situation where I would like to date both people in a couple separately, go on separate dates, Mm. have separate activities with the person to get to know them better, Mm -hmm. um, and also have sexual activities separately, you know, to have that dynamic uh, as as a couple instead of only, the only option being threesomes. Because I have absolutely been in a situation where the only sex on the table had to be a threesome. 
And you know what? Sometimes you're not into group sex. Sometimes you just don't want to have group sex, you know? <laughs> like, And so that being the only option was really limiting. Okay. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I, I, I've never run into a situation where that was, that was a thing. I mean, like, I feel like there's, I've run into situations where it's a mixture of all of that. Like we all get together sometimes. And then sometimes I, I maybe have time with one partner there or with a different one. And I feel like a, a nice healthy balance of that is good because again, there are times where, you know, I can't, I'm not really up for group sex right now. It's just not a thing I can, I can really do for whatever reason. And, but on the other hand, I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, I mean, that, that I, I feel like that just needs to be communicated ahead of time. Like if you're, if you're only looking for that type of thing that I, I feel like that is kind of a red flag. If a couple only wants you to be with, with both of them. And I think it simplifies it for them because then they don't have to sit at home and think about what's going on that they're missing out on, you know, FOMO or whatever. Um, they don't have to like deal with their, you know, jealousies that might crop up and their insecurities. And that's why people do it. Right. I mean, I can't, I, I can only imagine that that is why people insist on things being all together at all times. Does anyone else have any thoughts on that? I do because I think sometimes if, the couple wants it to always be the three of you. You there's still like room for making some some compromise. So there is always room for compromise or ways to kind of like explore it without just saying like this isn't gonna work. Like in in my experience, I had a couple that they did want it to always be together when it was sexual. So and I was kind of like, you know, well, that's not really what I want but I'll compromise and maybe the other person can be FaceTiming us while we're, you know, doing our thing. And that's kind of hot too, but we get our time together um, without having the physical nature of having three people. And that's just one way, but I think you can kind of, instead of just giving up, you can kind of work on, on thinking of different ways to compromise and be creative without hurting anyone. Emily, do you mind uh, expanding on that situation? Sure. And I'm curious, as a aspiring unicorn, mm-hmm. um, it was funny because as Lindsay was saying, yeah, unicorn hunters have a list, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, well, shit, as an aspiring unicorn, I think in my head I was having a list. Mm-hmm. What kind of relationship would I like the most? Although I'm a very emotionally flexible person. So what I want to know, Emily, is your situation with a, with a couple that wanted only sexual relations only when all three were together. Did you go along with that? How did it turn out emotionally, like conflict wise? Right. I, I did kind of go with that. In the beginning, they did make that clear. And, and I mean, also me being pretty new to all of this, I was like, yeah, that's great. Like, I also want that because I'm bisexual and I'm looking for that. But it was really, you know, quickly came to light that like, this isn't really practical, right? Like I have kids, they're married and they have kids. Like there's no way this is always gonna work out if we wanna spend the time together that we wanna spend together. You know, I still would spend time, I mean, with them together whenever, and whenever we could, we would do the sexual thing together, but, I think just out of practicality, it just worked better that way. I don't know. And it didn't seem like in my situation, there wasn't like any negativity that 
came out of that or like jealousy or anything like that. I don't know. Did I answer your question or I think that was like one of those like unicorn situations though, you know, like, cause again, like there's a unicorn person and then there's a unicorn situation where you do find exactly what everybody wants, like kind of right off the bat. I've also been in that situation where it was only, um, you know, threesomes were the only kind of sex that was allowed. And it, because of time constraints and kids and jobs, I mean, one of the people in this couple worked night shift. So it was Mm -hmm. like, unless we were having sex all together at 1 (laughs) a.m. And, you know, and then the other person gets, has to get up at 7 a.m. to get to work. You know, it's like, it was, it was really hard to manage. Uh, But, you know, two of us getting together at noon or something, you know, like a different time of day was manageable. And so it, it eventually evolved into different parts of the couple being able to see me separately, but it took time and negotiation and compromise and, um, and, you know, for better or worse, like that, like it, that might've also been kind of the downfall of that relationship deciding that they didn't want to do this if it wasn't to, all together. And that kind of all in or nothing mentality ends up being, uh, you know, often the reason a relationship destructs or crashes and burns. Mm-hmm. And and speaking of, I mean, that, that right there is just a back to couples privilege for a minute. I mean, that's right there is already just a, a glaring sign of couples privilege when we all, the three of us can only have sex together, except when I'm off with my partner and we can have sex whenever we want. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, they don't have that restriction in, in, in any way, shape or form. Right. Yeah, it would be interesting to say, all right, well, you have this couple's privilege. So every time you you guys are having sex, I, you need to let me know so I can video it. <laughs> like, I can't even imagine that being a thing, but I mean, maybe. Yeah, when you actually turn the rule around on the couple, oftentimes they're like, that's ridiculous. And it's right. like, yeah, it is ridiculous. Why, yes. Isn't it ridiculous? Yeah. <laughs> Have anyone, have any of you dealt with jealousy from the couple about your other relationships or from a couple in your other relationships? Um, I have not actually, I think maybe I've been really lucky. Um, that has not been something that's come up. Um, I think that's because many of the people that I've been, I've been involved with, um, in that capacity, um, I met through, I mean, I, I met a bunch of them at like an actual like swingers resort. So, I mean, they already know that like I tend to have a lot of uh, different types of relationships and, and to look at them. Well, I tend to, I guess I tend to d- treat a, a lot of my relationships very similarly. So I think most people just know that going in. So it's never been a thing. They just expect that I'm, I've got other couples. Yeah, I agree. Same. I've never encountered that again you know I am very new to it so who knows if that will happen down the line but but also if I'm going into it like Brandon said very honestly saying like I'm not I'm not monogamous with you then that's pretty much like that would be a deal breaker for me and then I wouldn't go into that relationship sometimes I feel like it's a like a prerequisite with the unicorn hunter kind of trope is that they want to find a single woman which I often find is really funny when, especially when I see these posts that like, we're looking for a single woman to add to our relationship. And I'm like, do you mean single, like solo poly, or do you mean single monogamous or, you know, like, what does that mean to you? And why does she have to be single? Because as someone who would date a couple, I'm married. 
why do I, why am I then, you know, like unavailable to you? Uh, and is it specifically a, a, about controlling that person? Do you want to not, you know, do you want them to be, you to be their everything and therefore they can't have anyone else, uh, you know? And, and so it always, it always gives me that's an icky thought. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was definitely an issue in my one uh, relationship with a couple many, many years ago before I was part of the community really, but just ended up meeting this couple who were interested in being in a relationship with me. And, you know, a lot of it was bad communication. Like, <laughs> you know, they, they said that they wanted me to find a primary partner also, but you know, when I would start dating people, it was very upsetting to them to not have the same amount of my attention that they had had before. And it definitely, there were, I mean, there were a lot of problems in that dynamic, but, but that was one of the more took me by surprise elements because like you, you have, you're dating each other. You're like, what, what? Yeah. There's all kinds of weird surprises. Yeah. I had a really, like my very first experience with it was this couple hunted me and I really, you know, clicked with both of them. And it went really well until like they left out a huge thing, which was that the woman wasn't allowed to date anyone else on the side. And she was really kind of um, bitter about that, but she hadn't expressed it at all until like they got in a little fight. And then she came to me, you know, to talk about it and to vent. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, because it's like now I'm finding out that he's kind of controlling and you're not at all into that. And I do not want to be a part of this. Like this is toxic. Right. Well, so often the one penis policy is, is in play with unicorn hunter relationships is, you know, we're trying to find this woman often mm -hmm. in, in, you know, like a heterosexual uh, presenting couple. Uh, we're looking for a woman to share. And, you know, as we have uh, to, uh, men on this call like obviously that's not always the case boys can be unicorns too right like <laughs> but we you know but so often the 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 trope the stereotype is that people are looking for a woman to share and because they're threatened by male energy they're threatened by another penis being involved they want the relationship to be more about the man that this the man is centered in the in this dynamic or not i don't know you know like it's, the, it's, woman, the relationship between the women is titillating and right, right. and not threatening do you think anyone follows a one pussy policy <laughs> oh really yes yeah i have heard of it i so i was in a relationship very shortly because um the person kept changing the rules and telling me more rules about this relationship and the one pussy policy came out like a month and a half in and I was like wait a minute you this is something that really should have been discussed when we discussed everything uh but yeah totally just like there's a one penis policy there are the same types of insecurities and jealousies that exist on both sides I mean I I, I guess I can I've never I've never run into that personally and because of like I guess that's this I'm learning something new I had no idea that there were that there was a fair amount of this going on out there um I guess Again, since much of my experience in that comes from having met swingers, they're just they're just used to you know being with other people, and 
so that's that doesn't ever come up as a as a thing but um wow yeah that would that would be something that would that would break things up really quickly early on i think so the couple that i dated had a one penis policy to begin with and me being me the outspoken feminist who's not going to put up with that fucking bullshit i explained to them in great detail that you know you're welcome to have whatever relationship rules and if that person is consenting to not wanting to date people with penises, what have you, you know, do what you want to do. But these, this is the reason why it is sexist, transphobic, controlling, and, and shitty, right? And, and in dating me, they, have, <laughs> they, they grew to see the error of their ways. But not everyone has a Lindsay to explain to them <laughs> that this shit is not okay. <laughs> you should be um, a unicorn doula. That's exactly what I was thinking. Of. <laughs> That's such a good idea. <laughs> okay, now I need to make business cards. I'm writing this down. Add something more to your list. <laughs> Honestly, I, I one of the things I've run into personally is that I I feel that um uh I mean I would say the I mean the the vast majority you know any any sort of threesome activity that I that I've had has been has involved you know a couple basically a, a hetero couple with you know a man and a woman ident- identifying as men and women and um I, for whatever reason I, I've always I've always found those to be generally speaking very very stable and very um be- partly because I know that the other man is very perfectly happy with not having a one penis policy I mean like that is just like there from the get-go that's never that's never going to be a thing so i wonder if there is a a big difference between unicorn hunters who are hunting a man and unicorn hunters who are hunting women and you know obviously we're making a lot of generalizations here but that one penis policy is not going to be an issue it's not going to be in play from the get-go and maybe with everyone or 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 male bisexual folks are a little bit more open-minded again generalization but but i wonder if that's just not as as common with folks who are seeking out a male unicorn as opposed to a female unicorn research clearly needs to be done (laughs) you know i could you know i could see just knowing the human being that there could be a two penis policy where (laughs) you know what i'm saying like yes that you get she's comfortable with just this you know and husband doesn't get to go out and do more. Sort of a polyfidelitous uh, unicorn triad or something like that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there are closed poly triads and, and, and open poly triads. And I think that it's so funny because it's like monogamy plus. You know? mm-hmm. it's just, it, it is a monogamous relationship in a lot of ways. There's just three people involved. So it's, it's, it's even yeah. hard to sometimes call them open polyamorous relationships because they are closed. I want to I want to bring up something quickly for the uh, the straight uh, males out there who are listening. I'm telling you, the best sex: two penises and a vagina. <laughs> if, you're, if you're okay being naked next to another man, you can take a break. Oh and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I 100% agree. <laughs> Uh, I think that's another reason why those have always been like top on my list. Those are just, I mean, it's not necessarily the break, but you know, like I, I can go get people water. I can come back, take, take, <laughs> tag in. Tag in, tag out. Yeah. <laughs> right. A new Olympic sport. And as someone who's had uh, MFM and FFM, was that? Yeah, yeah. 
threesomes. So I've had both, both ways, gone both ways. Um, I, I, I do feel like there are pros and cons of, of all sexual activity. And honestly, it, it really depends more who you're with than the actual activity that's, that's at play. But oftentimes, if like one person is the center of attention, it can get difficult to like take turns, take a break, or it just can be hard to navigate, especially if you don't know what you're doing, especially if uh, if you're inexperienced in this. And sometimes I felt like, is it is it rude to go on my phone? You know, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like can I can I can I do something else? Um, it's it, it reminds me of like uh, uh, Ross from Friends said he had a threesome with his wife who ended up being a lesbian and he ended up like making a sandwich and just taking a break and leaving the situation entirely. And I was like, yeah, you know, sometimes, yeah, it kind of feels like that. <laughs> it's easier when, you know, everyone is into each other, I think. You know, if, if, you're, if you're in a... Uh, you know, MFM with two or with, with, with where at least one of the men might be straight. You know, it's probably going to break down the moment you leave if that's, if that's the case, unless everyone's just really into the moment. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> it's definitely better when, when everyone can touch, when everyone can, can enjoy that. You know? Yeah, I agree with that. Everyone can touch, but my best sexual experience is I can't have like too much stimulation going on everywhere. So I, uh, I, prefer to have it be like one person at a time getting the attention because then it's like I'm really like putting my intention on one thing rather than being like overstimulated and like then I can't really enjoy any of it I don't know that's not really has to do with unicorns necessarily yeah, that makes sense. I think that, no actually I think this has a lot to do with unicorns I mean this part of the discussion it's paramount in what a unicorn really is right and how do we navigate both the emotional part of this, you know, jealousy and fear and the intimacy, but how do you navigate the sexual part of it? Because a lot of these couples may have never been in a threesome. Yeah. And, and honestly, the stress over or, or difficulties in, in actual, in some sort of actual like sexual encounter can lead to those other problems rearing their head if you're not talking about them and, and, and if the if expect, expectations or fantasies don't match up with reality. So the idea of like, you know, someone's like, oh, I, can I read my phone? Is that okay? Like, I mean, like, I guess that I could see that easily like someone being like, oh, this just went south. Now, now I'm really nervous about what this means. And, you know, and, and, ha and having their kind of like head, like, like all their thoughts spin away from the moment and things happening. So I, yeah, I, I think this actually is, uh, this is one of those things you don't often get discussions of when people are talking about things. Well, and I think so often people will learn how to, well, they'll learn how to have sex, but they'll learn how to do have like group sex and threesomes from porn because it's not something that uh, unlucky mm. individuals get to have often. <laughs> 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 so, so when you're going into a threesome for the very first time and you don't, and your only experience, quote unquote experience is from porn, um, you might have this laundry list of ideas that you want to go through that aren't even physically possible that aren't uh logical that aren't mm -hmm. you know like uh, you don't have a big enough bed or 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 the right tools uh so <laughs> or you can't like it doesn't work cut. that way <laughs> yeah. cut everyone take a break <laughs> <Yeah. Stay back. laughs> you can't hold a person that way you know mm -hmm. yeah there are a lot of things that aren't necessarily going to go as planned you know even something as like you were saying emily like i don't want to be over stimulated 
you might not know that you you might think because porn has told you that you know you can have two or three or four dicks in you at once mm-hmm. you might not know going into it thinking that's what i want that that's going to be a total deal breaker that that is going to be so much stimulation because it's not something you've ever experienced you know it kind of you have to try something out to know that it can end up being an issue i guess because how often are what is it our eyes are bigger than our mouth <laughs> 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 you know, our ideas are grander than our bodies will allow. And then it ends up being a, an issue sometimes when you're in the middle of a sexual activity. I do think that that is where maybe being an experienced unicorn or experienced with having any kind of group sexual activity uh, does actually put you at a huge advantage. Like, you know that about yourself, Emily. And I know for me, I'm like, all the stimulation, please. Yes. But then on the flip side, like, then I can only pay attention to one thing. Like, it depends sort of what the dynamic is that's going on at the given moment. And knowing that and communicating that is probably going to lead to everybody having more fun because everybody has said, I prefer this, but not that. Or I think I prefer this, but not that. I've also found that it can really strengthen, like, the friendship and connection outside of, totally outside of the sexual experience. Because now it, it seems like, okay, I'm, you know, giving my, all of my attention to this one person, but really it's me and the other person giving attention. So we're bonding about like, we are enjoying loving this person and now they're enjoying loving me. And now, so it's like a connection, different kind of connection, but also with the sex at the same time. But, you know, I think it really strengthens that bond you have outside of sex that's just my you know no no i i totally agree with that emily i always kind of say like you know when i when i've gone to like a desire resort in mexico a couple of times and it's like the amount of time that you can spend with people there is relatively short i mean it's this very short period of time but the amount of like sort of bonding that you can do given the the vulnerabilities that you're kind of putting yourself in with with these people um it puts it it definitely can strengthen that it kind of puts a little like i don't know puts a bunsen burner under the whole like relationship as a whole and when everyone's free to 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 have these experiences of as you say focusing on one 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 partner than the other than this i think that um when everyone feels comfortable with that uh, I think that really is the best the best case scenario. I think that's where that that friendship, that relationship, um, is going to go. It, it, those are the ones. Those are the ones that are going to last uh, the longest. In fact, or be the most. Maybe not last the longest. Let's say maybe like be the most organic. The, yeah, organic <laughs> and versatile. You know, flexible. Yeah. I did. I did want to throw one one last thing, and because uh, we were talking about experienced unicorns and things, uh, I did have one instance with this lovely couple where I went we got to their, you know, I, I was actually going to be staying with them for a night as I was doing some traveling and we got t- together and um, we sort of like things moved to the bedroom at one point And then it was just sort of like, so what do we do? How does this work? <laughs> and it was just sort of like, I'm really glad you asked, what do you guys like for sex? Like, what do you like to do? Like, why don't you talk about that first? And then we can kind of like talk about what, you know, like I was, that was, probably one of those times where I was just like flummoxed. I'm like, I met you both at like a swinger thing. Like, what do you, like, what do you mean? What do we do? Yeah. <laughs> I think it was for like, what do we do with a 
another guy here? Or maybe, um, I, I'm not really sure exactly where that was, but I mean, uh, we all had a chuckle over it and everything was great. Everything was lovely, but it was just sort of like, I was, I was put in this position of like, I'm not that experienced in this. This is fairly early on too. And I'm like, well, we're going to go for it. We're just going to see how this goes. So let's talk about it. So I do have at least two more things I would like to bring up. One of which being veto power. Uh, oftentimes couples who are seeking a third or opening up the relationship, they, especially new couples will give their partner the privilege of veto power, meaning no questions asked. You have to break up your relationship with another person if I say so. And I find that unicorn hunter couples more than anyone have veto power privileges. Uh, as someone who has been sort of vetoed before, I hate it. And <laughs> and it's horrible. And I think there's a, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really bad privilege to give someone and I often liken it to like, would you give that same privilege to your mother? Would you give that same privilege to your best friend? They might be looking out for you and trying to find the best thing for you, but do you really trust that someone else, anyone else, deserves to tell you who you get to be with and control who you get to see? I don't know. Has anyone else been vetoed? Has any, do, is, is anyone else bitter and jaded? <laughs> I haven't, but I have a friend who recently had this experience, like January-ish, and um and he was really taken by surprise by it because he did not know it was going to happen and did not know it was on the table like he knew he was dating somebody poly and it was new to him to be dating somebody poly but he was totally floored and really upset by the experience and it really um, I think put him off the possibility of dating in the poly community. Um, and I, and I feel really kind of sad and bad for him because I had encouraged him to, you know, consider dating poly people and, you know, that it might actually work for him in his life, kind of much in the sort of unicorn way that we've been talking about. Like, maybe you're not, in a place in your life where you can have a full-blown traditional monogamous relationship, but you could still have a fulfilling relationship that also lets you be who you are. And, you know, he was kind of all in until the partner was like, I can't believe that you, you know, let him spend the night without talking to me about it first. And, you know, I don't want you seeing him anymore. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, what year is this? what <laughs> like what is happening here that somebody who is an adult woman in our community is letting somebody have that kind of control over her life yeah i think it's and it's particularly difficult when and maybe this comes back to couples privilege but when they don't actually think that it's a veto like they like at times that they don't even realize that they like they're just sort of like well you know we're, I'm looking out for our relationship or it's it's the relationship that's important or yada 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 and and that can that can be very difficult I mean I I feel like at least with at least with like a, an agreed upon veto like people know that it's there and they've agreed to that for some reason I mean it's not it's never cool for like the other the person who's getting vetoed at all. But when there, when the situation comes up where there is a veto that isn't called that, and therefore you don't even have that to point at and be like, this is where, this this is the root of the problem here. That's it's much more insidious, even. Yeah, and Katie, I'm thinking like you said, your friend was 
just getting into the poly community. And something that's really important to me as somebody that's pretty new to the poly community is to understand that, you know, a lot of people, when, when we first find out about it, we're like, obviously this is better because these people are way more open-minded and so much better at communicating. And, and like, although that may be true, there's always going to be, there's always going to be problems that you come across. Right. And nobody's perfect. And it doesn't mean these people are better or worse. Um, and so it's, it's too bad that that was the first experience, but I can see that being, you know, a first experience because your expectations might not really match up with what the reality is. Cause you, you have this idea in your head, just like with unicorns, you have this idea in your head of like, this is what I think is it's going to be. Yep. And some people don't even, some people have sort of like this intrinsic idea of the veto baked in and they don't, like they, they, they think it'll never happen. They think that, that it'll never be something that they feel that they need to exercise. And it just comes down to them not being self-aware enough to know that they're going to have difficult feelings about things and that the answer really isn't to just end things or veto things. It's to actually talk through them and try to make things work to communicate rather than recoil in fear. And, and that's, that's really the, I mean, I guess that's the basis of the veto. It's all, it's all fear-based. It's not even necessarily, I, I honestly, I don't even think it's necessarily control-based because if it was control-based, you wouldn't have gone, you wouldn't have been in a spot to open things up anyways. I think it really comes down to fear. People get afraid. Uh, they get afraid of losing something that's very important to them. And they think that the best way that they can take care of that is to just like pull back and retreat and say no. Just hearing everybody talking about this, I think this is what comes back to couples privilege because you're not involving the third person in what you're fe like, we're having some feelings that are problematic. So we want to talk with you about it too. It's like, nope, maybe they're, you know, they're the ones talking back and forth. Meanwhile, you have no idea that this is going on. So, I mean, if that's how it is, then you probably want to get out anyway, but, but it would be, could be so much, more strengthening if you in fact could get all through it together mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i agree with all of uh of that on on veto power and how it can be it's it is a a part of couples privilege and it can be really damaging to people and to relationships because often i find that once veto once a veto has been taken place someone is left very resentful someone is left abandoned and and hurt and damaged but oftentimes in in veto dynamics the person who's doing the vetoing who's being forced to veto their and 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 break up with their partner is left very resentful and that can end up being like the downfall of that that couple the the original couple in the hierarchy and and i've seen that happen time and time again is that someone demands a veto demands veto power and that dissolves their relationship ultimately so it's never really good for anyone <laughs> 100%. I, I, I think, I mean, I, this is like a phrase that I've even used. I'm just like, the moment that I, I get a veto applied to me, I, one, I can't trust it. it would never happen again. And two, I'm going to resent that. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. and, and I think the moment you can step back from that, I don't know if you want to call it veto cliff or whatever, and start talking about it again, that's when your relationship has a chance to continue and to grow and, and, and an understanding can come about. And if it doesn't, that's just, I mean, that's, that, that's unfortunate, but that's just, no one, no one likes being told what to do. I, I don't really know. I mean, I shouldn't, okay, I shouldn't generalize, but not, that is not There's some kinky people who will tell like, you differently. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 
that, that oh, just that yeah, is yeah. The way a, 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 that is not a way for a relationship to grow and thrive. And I, I didn't know the couple who vetoed my friend very well, but I know who they are. Like they are part of our community. And even knowing that they did that has altered my perception of them too. Like I think it not only does it change the dynamic between the couple and breed that resentment and breed the resentment from the person who was vetoed, but I think it can also affect how you're perceived in the community. And also, I mean, it just kind of shows how much you don't trust your partner because so often when people are defending their veto power, they're saying, well, you know, I'm only doing what's best for them. I, I, I'm trying to help prevent them from getting hurt. And, and it's, it's just such bullshit because what you're saying is you, you're not an adult. You're not, you're not trustworthy. You can't make decisions for yourself. So I have to take care of you. I have to prevent you from getting hurt where really, I mean, the best part of all relationships as much as you're hurt, as much as, as, as painful as they can be, you learn from mistakes. You learn from things happening that are not great. You learn from, from relationships ending naturally, right? And so if something, if someone is toxic legitimately and your partner is in a relationship with them, honestly, the best thing you can do for that person is to let that play through. Let it crash and burn on its own because if it is truly toxic, that will happen. If they are truly abusive, you can talk to your partner like an adult and explain the situation from your point of view, and hopefully they will see it that way. But saying you must end your relationship because it's either making me uncomfortable, it's making me insecure, or I, f I feel this person is toxic or abusive, that is not treating your partner like a human. It's treating them like an object. It's treating them like your property and possession. And so it shows a lack of trust in your relationship. All right, did you have one more topic you wanted to hit, Lindsay? Yeah, so one last thing I think that we could all briefly speak to is, is there any advice that you want to give to unicorn hunters or unicorns who are listening to this episode? I'll go. I think it is totally okay to have an idea of what you're looking for, but you really need to go into it understanding that it's an idea, not an actual person and be willing to talk about it and be flexible and open-minded when you're actually dealing with other human beings. And then, you know, you really need to be in as much communication as you possibly can between, you know, with both the existing couple and the person who they, you're hoping to get into a relationship with. I, I think for myself, one thing I would, would, would feel comfortable with if somebody, if some, if some couple tried it before they buy it. Some really light dating different scenarios before you before you start texting a thousand times a day and getting really emotional about it. Go, go into it slowly or, or caution, maybe with a bit of caution. Correct. Because it's, it's three people versus two people, which is intimately more complicated and you don't want to jump into a spider's web. Yeah. Um, from, I guess from the unicorn point of view, I think, I mean, the thing I can recommend is, and that's maybe just something that I've, that works for me, but I, I feel that if you can just be, if you can just go into it with the idea that these are people that you like for some reason, whether or not, I mean, they could be sexy. I mean, but like you're, 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 
be the, be their friend be be their be, be have that there as the the baseline for your connection with them and provided you can do that i think that if people have that baseline of friendship you're you're less likely to run into a situation where the friend gets left high and dry because the friendship is already there it's like this isn't just like a stranger you fuck and it's not, I'm sorry it's just not, it's not a stranger um that you're that you're that you you found sexy and you're going on dates because and and they're hot you know the hot dates and things like that like you have this friendship there um from the get-go that y- you have the trust involved that there that whatever happens in the end it, whether the relationship continues in as a unicorn type relationship or a sexy relationship you're going to be their friend and they're going to be yours and the caring is still going to be there i think that that's important any any attempt at any longevity to that type of relationship yeah my you know going off of everybody and obviously knowing that communication is key for everything but more specifically i think listening is key from both sides so a lot of times you know there is like a sexual connection like you you're really attracted to them or you just really enjoy the person as a friend and you don't really pay attention as much because you want to hear what you want to hear. So I think really listening, like actively listening so that you're not disappointed if it isn't exactly what you're hoping for is really key. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining us for our 50th episode. It was because it was a, a big, a big episode. I wanted to talk about the thing I like to rant about the most. So, uh, so I'm glad you guys got to join me in on this discussion. A lot of fun. It was a good, it was a really good talk. Excellent stampede um, unicorns. Call us <laughs> all back for the hundredth. Right. Yes. Yeah. The hundredth we'll have to, I don't know. I'll, I'll be a certified unicorn doula by then. So yes. we'll, <laughs> we'll have a I'll unicorn discuss my reunion. practice. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Bye guys. Bye. And that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband, Rob, for being our sound engineer. And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash polyamoryuncensored. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and remember... We love you. Bye.